that are really noble about just going out and starting and that kind of putting yourself out there in races, even when you're not in your top shape. Welcome to episode 120 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Kate Grace, professional runner for the Wazelle team on the podcast. Kate's interview is the fourth in the Rue Rises series. So if you haven't heard yet, this week I'm publishing seven podcasts in seven days. I've never done this before, and it's in an effort to help Running on Ohm grow, rise, and spread the stories of amazing pioneers from running, yoga, health, spiritual, and artistic backgrounds. So each day this week, I'm going to ask you to help me share this conversation in a different way. Today, my challenge for you in helping Rue rise is to post on Instagram a picture of your experience listening to my conversation with Kate. By helping Rue Rise, I will be able to continue to bring amazing people on this podcast to all of you for free, weekly, and at an even higher quality. I really cannot begin to tell you how much it means to me to hear from all of you about how running on OM is impacting your life. So join in the conversation, help Rue Rise this week with seven little acts on seven days that'll help me take this podcast to the next level. In today's conversation, I talk with Kate Grace on discovering her legacy as a runner. Kate began running in high school in preparation for soccer season, and she went on to run at Yale. She joined the Wazelle team after graduation, and in our conversation, Kate really goes deep. She talks about dealing with injury now, the mental strength involved in a race, and the powerful community she's found in Wazelle. I feel really honored to have Kate on the Running on Ohm podcast as the fourth episode in the Rue Rises series. And if this conversation moves you, let us know. Capture how you've listened in and post on Instagram so we can see. Let's jump into the show. Welcome, Kate, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. When did you first start running and lace up your shoes? My mother was very involved in the fitness industry growing up. I grew up in L.A. Um, she was like part of the, when you see when you see the videos from the 80s and 90s with the people jazzercising, like that's that was kind of her world. Um, so I didn't really do that, but I definitely remember being active when younger and there are pictures of doing local 5K or probably just like the kid's mile with her. And so my first, I guess the first time I went to my shoes, they're probably soccer cleats because I, that was my, that was my like exercise. I, and then in high school, it was training for, in order to train my first, to start my freshman year to for the varsity soccer team, they make you run cross country in the fall because in California it's um, it's a soccer is a winter sport, so cross country is kind of like the training for soccer. Um, so my first time I saw running as just running, not as like kind of the warm up for soccer practice, was probably in ninth grade. And through that, I and that's also when I met my high school cross country and track coach, who would become like a major part of my life. So yeah, I remember when we go to practice, it was just a race. You decided which went. And I took a bus to park in LA for a cross country race, and just warming up and having all the normal nerves. Also having like never really done any kind of training. So yeah, that was my first time, I guess, with the team. I also remember I have like memories of before I really remember doing any kind of practice or training. I we lived 
pretty close to, to the ocean. So I just remember like taking, it was like a mile. So taking like a mile run down to the ocean at dusk and like sort of standing on the bluff and looking at the water. That was always like great motivation, right? Because it's like within a mile of your run, you have this incredible view. Uh, it's like kind of fun to get out the door and take a break from homework or something. So yeah, those were my first, I guess, running memories. That sounds like a beautiful view. I'd love to see a picture of it someday. Was it clear from that first race that you had talent or that you had a strong connection to the sport? Yes, as far as my coach when we were warming up and doing drills. I remember he came up to me, this is, sorry, the cross-country coach, she wasn't my coach at the time, but came up to me and said, or made some joke about Kate, beautiful gait, like my running gait, or my form was good, and he kind of made some joke about how he was going to make me come out afterwards, he just, just kind of from watching me do strides. In the actual race, I want to say I got second in that race, so it was like an immediate high and kind of validation from doing well. Again, it was just a high school race. It wasn't like anything huge, but still, it was fun. And yet, I loved the team aspects of soccer, and it took me a while to realize that you can get that kind of team environment and dynamic from cross-country as well. So it wasn't actually for probably two years that I really committed to running as my main passion. And it was with the help of my two best friends who were on the team also, who kind of continually convinced me that you actually can't have a team and build something together. Was there a turning point for you? Like you really started to own your running? That, yeah, it's so funny. I want to say owning my running, it wasn't, I want to say it wasn't until after college, like eight years after that first race. And even like, even now, even when I, I mean, obviously you're owning it and you want to be doing well and you're running for yourself. When you're in a race, it's only you, right? It's like, it's the ultimate. Like, there can be no one, there's no one else helping you. You're you're there by yourself. You have to rely on yourself. You're kind of learning how to trust yourself from the very beginning. But that said, it is always hard in high school and even in college. If you have so many if you have parents excited for you and coaches and teammates, you're never quite sure why you're doing it. And so it's not until after school that I really tried to start grappling with like that this is something that I wanted to be doing. This is a choice I was making. And also that like in, in the end if you're gonna succeed and kind of get to any kind of high pinnacle in your training, it has to be coming from you, right? It has to be like internal motivation, which is kind of scary. So I guess probably not really owning my running until maybe within the last year. That's amazing that I think you can have that perspective and be so real with yourself about it because you obviously did have a lot of success in high school and collegiately, despite maybe you not feeling like you 110% really owned it. When you look back on your college career, what stands out for you as your proudest moment, whether that was in a race or a practice, what part of the running experience do you really look back on fondly? I mean, I have such good memories of like my team. I don't know if those are like, it's not necessarily being proud, but just having memories of like great friendships and bonds and team trips. And I always go back to relays as moments of like extreme pride and like sh- kind of just like shared accomplishment that I love. Um, and there were multiple relays i used to run four by eight the ivy league championships they, they, they don't have them in like ncaa so we had them in our league championships and so a few times with was like a four by eight where i would get the baton and i'd be the final leg and i would get the baton like kind of far back in the pack and pick people off and then finish and and i want to say my sophomore year we ended up winning like kind of past the final person and like the last 
50 meters was exciting. And I guess we got to stand all up on the podium with four other people or three other people. Yeah, I think winning in relays is fun. I always go back to a 4x4 four four my senior year. Also, it, it was not, we didn't win it, but we basically were, I was like in contention for third. And for us, we, we didn't have like an incredible 4x4 four four, or we didn't have like tons like a super speedy 4x4, four, four four, so getting third would have been huge for us. And I started out super far, like, behind the girl and went to catch her and ended up catching her, like, with maybe 20 meters to go and then had kind of given so much in the race that I completely buckled. Like, my legs buckled up from under me. And with, like, right before the line, I just I just collapsed. I, like, fell. And so I ended up falling over the line. So, like, you finished, but she passed me or she, like, finished in front of me. So I didn't win that individual race, but we still got a PR and so everyone, or like a, a school record, I think. So everyone was like super excited. And I had this scar on my hand and on my knee from falling. And it was just like this moment of like kind of realizing that you can push your body to its limits. But I was kind of so happy to have gone there. Do you think you had ever pushed your body to that place before? I mean, I I had never... I never collapsed like that, <laughs> so I guess not. And it's not like you have to always have that, right? I mean, I also know sometimes I would PR, and you would, it's like the best thing in the world, and it's just, for some reason, whatever, everything just feels right, right? And you like, and I would have an amazing personal best, like drop a few seconds, but you feel like you could run 10 seconds faster than that because it's just, you're completely in a flow state. So I definitely have run really good races, and, and, and you don't get that feeling of complete exhaustion, but I do think that that doesn't mean that you're not pushing so hard. I think just for some reason, you've entered a flow. So I'm also like, proud of those moments. No, I mean, I didn't before that have, have had, I hadn't had any race like that in a race. I think right now, actually, one of my goals is in practices, not to get to completely that point, but really trying to work the mental edge with running and practice. Yeah, to learn how to really dig deep into that well is, it seems, exactly. is art. During your time at Yale, did you know of Lazelle and what was your impression of it? I did, actually did not know Wazel at Yale. I guess I all started when I, when I was at school. It wasn't until I left that they, I mean, they've grown so much in the past few years, right? So I didn't actually learn of the company until 2012 when I was in New Jersey starting to train with Frank Gabriano's group. It was like, I didn't even, I didn't even know what to think because it was like, I had never, I had never kind of experienced such like a supportive, excited group of runners it was something that was so new to me i think it's it's so cool about what they do because it was something that i didn't even have a framework to understand right a group of people who weren't related to you like i only ever had people follow me it seemed who either were like my family members or my teammates right so the idea that the few people who would support you and be excited for your races and you would do things for them who like had no other relation was was weirdly new and I know that's not that's strange because obviously in other sports that's like very common and then obviously like that understanding of kind of the power of those networks and the power of the support I just I mean I just grown to understand more and more how amazing that is yeah it is pretty incredible for you if 2012 was when you were running with NJNY when did you transition to joining the Wazelle team and what was that like for you I joined Wazelle in 2012, but I was still, I mean, so I was running with New Jersey, New York, but I was sponsored by Wazelle and running with their uniform starting in 2012. It was kind of like a little bit of a push right before the trials. They brought on me and Collier, Lawrence, 
because we were two new people that weren't being sponsored of the 2012 trials. From there, it wasn't until like a year and a half later that I moved, or two years later, that I actually moved to Oregon to, to train with this group. But I started going to Seattle. I kind of started this like little trend where I would go to Seattle in the late summer after racing had stopped. And so I started to kind of, it was kind of through that I started to fall in love with the Pacific Northwest, kind of more so feel so comfortable and appreciative of the company and kind of want to be more involved in that or to have like, this desire to be more involved with the company. In the fall of 2013, I was dealing with plantar fasciitis. So I was out here getting treatment and started to see kind of the, the beginnings of the training group in Bend and just kind of understand how Bend was a place for training. And it was started, that, so that's kind of when it was started. That was the fall of 2013 that started like the idea of that you could do some, just the, 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 the support network. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. With Wazelle, what has it been like for you to now be immersed in Little Wang? And how has it changed your training in comparison to either your training in college or your training with gags? How is it different now? On the one hand, this is maybe just growing up or becoming a more like rounded athlete. I've, I've learned so much in the past year about kind of all the auxiliary work, core work, physical therapy, strengthening different stabilizing muscles and how important that is to like maintaining and strengthening your body as a runner. So that's been probably that's been a key element for me of growth. Also, the idea of strengthening yourself, becoming an, an athlete as you also become a faster runner. This is kind of the whole concept that runners sometimes, at least for me when I was in college, you just you think you, like you run and, and maybe you do a little strength work, but that's kind of the majority of your training. But the idea that you have to push your body in different planes, different types of movement with balance, with plyometrics, that all of those gains would actually, actually in the end will also improve your whatever quality or your like the your, your performances as a runner. But on the surface, they don't look like the normal drills you would do. And so I think the extra outside work is what I've tried to dive into mostly. That's awesome. I think that is something that's very overlooked, even by professional runners that I've talked to. Who has been instrumental in teaching you that? I know you guys have worked with Jay Jatari. Has he been a part of the plan, or has it been something you've learned from your teammates or self-study? Yes, Jay was definitely the who Jay is the physical therapist in Bend with Rebound. He definitely was kind of the one to start that training, right, and start me thinking along those lines in early last year, 2014, we would go and do a program that he called HOPS, which basically was a diff- different, like a, like a circuit with a minute each of different exercises. There were all these crazy, fun, balanced exercises on balance boards and on different, like, kind of like on different surfaces that were somehow unstable, that you had that balance and squat and or like to try to stand on the Bosu ball. Also, it was really fun, but also super functional. And so that was kind of what got me started on it. And then from there, it was also self-study, reading different books, talking with different physical therapists, as I've kind of uh, seen different people and collected a, kind of some knowledge about different types of training. Nowadays, could you give me an example of a strength or PT session that you would do on your own? I imagine it's pretty detailed, but maybe just the layout, the overview for listeners to try to conceptualize. Twice a week, I would do a more kind of high-intensity strength session, and that's so that it would, I would count it. It's like kind of a workout effort. You plan your running around it. And that way that our strength sessions work, 
we do a specific style of like six to eight exercises, each going, going through three times total. And hitting different, you hit different body parts. So the exercises will always be changing kind of to help so you don't get too acclimated to anything. But I mean, it's a combination of, I mean, usually there's like some kind of, there's like a lot of single leg squats or deadlifts or a single leg kind of deadlifts, combination of balance and core work and yeah, hitting like the major muscle groups on legs and arms. So take the exercises there, go through that three times then transfer over to more heavy strength work. And so that's lower reps, maybe like would be five to seven reps. But usually we would do two major lifts. So that would either be like a squat or like a weighted squat, a deadlift or some kind of, so like deadlift being more, more explosive, a good morning or some kind of like weighted lunge. And then you superset that with like a pretty simple core exercise. I think that's really comprehensive. It's awesome. Yeah, so that happens like twice a week. And then other times throughout the week, usually maybe three to four other times, I'll be in the, in the physical therapy office or I'll, in the gym, I guess, and do maybe 30 minutes of, 30 to 40 minutes of some kind of core stability, hip stability, and then a few other exercises that would be targeted to like my specific weaknesses right now a lot of foot strengthening a lot of also like postural stuff trying to kind of get your back and traps engaged so then that also happens and then finally there's which is stuff that I kind of want to be doing more of actually we did a lot in the fall was but more plyometric work so kind of specific drills and kind of different form drills and things that are very like quick and bouncy to kind of get the normal muscular system firing. And that we would do once a week, but actually on a track or on turf. I love what you're describing because I think it shows listeners and shows people that really taking running to the next level, as you said, is becoming a whole athlete and it's a holistic process and that requires a lot of athleticism. It's like swimmers have to focus on technique, but I think there's this misconception that people don't have to focus on the technique of running and you're really embodying that in your training, which is amazing. But there's also the mental side of it. And I'd love to dig into that a little bit, the mental strength. And so For you, when you look at running, what are some mental tools you have to keep yourself focused? Whether even if it's in the PT or weightlifting exercises on a day that you don't want to do it. It's kind of like, I would say that for me, it's addressing what the barrier is and then having a specific tool to counteract that barrier, right? So for PT exercises, it's more, I don't know, it's kind of like boredom and thinking it's not that important or something and like you just do it the next day. So for that, good for me as um, having someone to meet is wonderful. I mean, in general, having like a more structured time so you know you're always doing it at the same time so then you kind of just turn your brain off. One of the Wazelle runners, Nicole Antoinette, just moved to Bend. And so we actually have been meeting three times a week for to do core and stuff, which has been awesome because even if like we only meet for 20 minutes, you feel... I feel like I have to be there for her or like I can't totally flake on her. So that gets you to the gym to start it. And then I can also kind of add things in later. So that's that. As far as for some, for workouts, for example, maybe it's not necessarily bored. I'm not boring for that. It can be like, I don't know if the mental barrier for me 
for a hard workout. Fear of pain or not pushing yourself, like not wanting to push yourself to the next level or wanting to just kind of stay complacent. So I think as far as like the fear part comes in, I, really, I think it's just so important just to stay present, right? So try to not overthink a workout. If the workout's coming tomorrow, it's not like freaking out about it. You just go about your day and then the workout comes where it comes. It's almost like you can a very intense mode about it, right? So that you won't like waste energy building up too much in your mind. And then as far as actually in the moment, pushing further, we started doing heart rate work, which I actually really liked because I was able to, you you kind of almost, if you just think about getting your heart rate up, it's less, it's less, it's more of a tangible thing to work on, right? It's not like you can just work on getting your heart rate up, not to work on like some magical place of ultimate exertion. And then I think also that's probably also a place for mantras, for working with teammates, trying to stay connected to a pack. But, uh, and, and this, this is all saying, like, I'm also saying this, I want to say the biggest thing for me right now in workouts, for longer workouts, is that is not falling off sooner. That, that even when, in January when I was working with that, with, with running with Christine Babcock in Albuquerque, and she was getting really fit and pushing the longer stuff. Like, I'm not as good at that. And so we'd start a rep, and immediately within 20 seconds, I would be, like, maybe 10 strides back. And then I would hold it the whole time. So it's not like you're necessarily that tired yet, but you're almost like scared of getting to that place. And I don't know. <laughs> I haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, I guess what Lauren would say is like, like the only focus is staying connected and you stay connected as long as possible, even if you're not, even like, so then almost you just change the focus. Not even that you finish the, finish the whole workout. You just, just stay connected until you take more. I love that. It's a different way of doing a workout. Instead of being preoccupied with the pace or how what the time you're going to run for that interval is, it's just the goal is to stay connected, to stay on your teammate, to stick the course. Exactly. And I know right now what I imagine has been challenging is you haven't been able to be doing running training. What has that been like, this setback, and how do you stay mentally strong or mentally positive through it? So it's been now since end of January, but I haven't run. Um... And, but then in the past week, because it was like a, it's like a tendon, tendonitis in my foot, but then also um, a slight tear of the plantar plate, which is a ligament in my toe joint, which is like a rare injury for runners. You, you usually see it in football players. So I got a PRT injection last week to try to help healing. And because of that, I've been on crutches for the past week, which has been horrible. When it first happened, how do you get through it? I think there's some element of delusion, right? When you're um, cross training, it's, a, it's like, and maybe being an athletic in general, it's like self delusion, right? So, because obviously, like, I, you're not able to run, so you are losing some sort of fitness, but it's like until you're at the point where you're back to running, it's almost like you're in a slight way, like, not lying, but kind of like faking yourself out into thinking that it's either not that bad or you can still, like, that you can still be at the top of your game. And, again, obviously you can get back there, but, I mean, you know, it will, t- it, will, it will take a lot of work later on. But you almost have to, like, put off the fact that there's a lot of work to go when you're back to running. You just think, that, okay, no, I'm working as hard as I can right now, and, I don't know, that's good enough. For the first few weeks, just kind of, I don't know, it was like I just, like, completely was not accepting the fact that, I guess, I also didn't know how bad it was. I wasn't like, accepting the fact that, that it was, it was going to be a long time. So I basically was just, like, cross-training like crazy, thinking, okay, I was going to be back to running shortly and I wouldn't lose any fitness. I mean, self-delusion makes it sound bad because it's not like, I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing to not, basically you're focusing on, you're focusing on the positive 
outcome, right? So you're like in no way like even acknowledging the fact that there could be negative outcome or much hard work, like a lot of hard work down the line. It's a mental reframing that I think you're speaking to. Yeah, I would say so. And then what so what's gonna say about um, I, I mean I think there's also all these little tricks about I mean like for me if I'm only allowed to swim, getting like treating whatever cross training is like a real workout. So I think before when I used to cross train, it would just kind of would go and you would do like generic work for 40 minutes. And so then you actually don't feel, you don't get the same like high after you get a initial hard workout. But I think one of the great things I've learned these past however many weeks is that between elliptical workouts and Warren and swim workouts, like I can finish a workout and feel the same like amazing sense of accomplishment as I do after finishing a track workout because I've really worked like to my edge. And I think being able to find workouts for different types of training where you can get to that point, that's also key because then you feel like you're actually working. You get this, this a good feeling after hard work. Yes, completely. Who for you are mentors in your life and in your path, whether it be people in the world of running or outside? Who do you really look up to? All of my coaches have been mentors and I have close relationships with past coaches, with current coaches. I think right now, a lot of people that I have met through Wazelle um, or I guess whatever, but I think with Wazelle, um, have become mentors to me. Sarah Lasko and Christian Metcalf also, two women who are involved in Wazelle, who I have close contact with and kind of can go to at different highs and different points of highs and lows. I think what I look for in mentors is somebody who is going to push me, someone who I can go to if I have a weakness or something and who... Um, or I'm feeling insecure and who will like, accept that and acknowledge that, but who will also kind of trust me enough to push me past that. So it's wonderful to find women like that through Wazelle. I think also starting to find that mentors don't have to be necessarily much older. I think I always used to think of mentors kind of like the, like the teacher advisor. I've come to find that I get kind of the same, I can get the same inspiration um, through friends, through people that I've met, it's funny right now, I mentioned Nicole, Nicole, she runs for Lazelle, and she, we like been, I don't know, meeting for core work. I think being able to talk through, having someone that you can, with whom you can talk through and of your own like daily challenges, um, and then who will like give you like their honest thoughts, not just kind of say, yeah, and understand, and then kind of push it aside, but help you find strategies to better yourself. I think that's like, that's a golden combination that I look for more and more in friends and mentors. Completely. I think you're speaking to people who will challenge you and to make you your best self and best runner. When you think about the pursuit of running, what kind of legacy do you envision leaving in the sport and in what kind of mark do you hope to make currently and in the future? Hmm. It's so interesting. I... It's, sorry, I'm, I'm like laughing because I feel like this is helping me, whatever, this is like things that I'm doing in my own little um, goal setting worksheets. I don't know. I think, I think it's only recently, again, as I say, it's only recently that I've really like taken control of my um, running. It's only recently that I've thought of the idea of like a legacy or the idea of kind of what, you, what you're building. I think at one point when I started, it was just all about trying to better myself right so it's all about like trying to to make a team or to make a final to medal at like a big an international competition and then like the idea that 
the the rest would take care of itself, kind of, or like whatever. Um, you know, but all, all I would be worried about would, would be that singular goal. And more and more, I see the importance to me of of making connections while I'm doing it. The finding ways to yeah connect with other runners, with other people who are pursuing goals, and kind of have some kind of joint motivation, inspiration, whatever you would call it. And yeah, I, I, I guess especially when I'm not, I, especially I, I kind of see, I like question whatever the purpose is when you're not racing, right? Because when you're if you're not racing, then like those very like end-oriented goals kind of go out the window. Not that they're not going to come back, but it's like it starts to like empty if they if they don't feel immediately like um, attainable. So this is only within like the past few months that I started to like rethink like what would make what would make me feel fulfilled, even regardless of, like, the shiny, the shiny metal or something. And, yeah, it's something to do with the people, but I don't know if there's a full answer. <laughs> well, it'll be exciting to watch it develop. What for 2015 is exciting you as well? What races, maybe, when you're getting back into it, or things you're looking forward to, projects in your own life? Yeah, I think, well, I guess, in a way, I'm excited to continue to, like, answer that question of what legacy would be or like, what, what you are building. I think one of the things that I've, like, been coming to, especially when even having talks right now about, like, the idea of racing and, like, if, and maybe this is a, kind of like a philosophical uh, talk, is, like, is it worthwhile to compete if you know that you're not at your best? Like, if I get back and I can, like, start competing pretty quickly or wait for a few more months, like, would it be worthwhile to me? Or is that like an, an embarrassment or something? And I don't know. I I'm at the point where I don't I don't think of it as something to be ashamed of to be like running, even if you're not hitting time that you were the year before or something, uh, or like two years before. Obviously like the goal is to get back to those times. I don't know, I feel like there's something and again, this is somehow cheesy, but there's something noble about just going out and starting and like kind of putting yourself out there in races, even when you're not in your top shape. So I am excited to race hopefully like not too far future even if it means just kind of grinning it out um and then i'm also excited probably again this will probably be more delayed to get back to competition in at one point in time in the summer or later later uh, in the year and just kind of feel feel that all again i think like in a way like figuring out what you're figuring out what the legacy is setting up myself for 2016 that's all going to be like I think positive for positive things for 2015 as well yes to close up our interview I'm going to invite you into the running on ohm grab bag where for 90 seconds I'll ask you a few either or or one sentence answer questions you ready yes favorite race distance 800 meters. What did you have for breakfast today? Fried egg on top of oatmeal. The most beautiful view you've ever seen and where? Um, somewhere in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains um, on, uh, it's in Colorado. Is that what they're called? This is mountain range in Colorado. Um, I that I lived I lived in lived there for a summer, um, South Colony Lake Basin, somewhere in that area. A book you think everyone should read? Uh, it's poetry, but I would say The Gift. Uh, it's like a book of Hafiz poems. In another life, you wish you had this talent. 
Dancing. Like a dancer. Run with or without music? I do it with. I know it's not like pure, but it's, I, running is very useful for me. Tea or coffee? Mm, uh, different. Uh, tea. Favorite day of the week? Hmm. Monday? One place in the world you haven't visited you'd like to go to? Ooh. I would, like, somewhere in, oh, somewhere in places. Somewhere in southern Mexico, I just find he just was coming back from there. Also, like, in general, um, no, yeah, there. So there's somewhere in southern Mexico. Great. Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing your story on the podcast. And we'll be really excited to watch you get back to the track and to the roads and running again. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to episode 120 of the Running on Own podcast with Kate Grace, professional runner for the Wazelle team. As you know, Kate's interview is the fourth day of the Rue Rises series. So today, my challenge for all of you in helping Rue Rise is to share an Instagram picture of your experience listening to my conversation with Kate. We would love to know where you are, what you're up to when tuning in, and tag myself at Running on Ohm and Kate at Fast Kate in the picture. Seven podcasts in seven days with seven little acts you can join in on in helping me bring this podcast to more people and to the next level. Thank you all so much for your support and love. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.